0: Hi, welcome to another season of Guilt. This is season three, Finding Heidi, and what I believe will be the best season yet. If you're new here, I highly recommend you consider subscribing via Apple Plus or Acast Plus. For a small monthly fee or a one-off yearly fee, you'll get early access, bonus episodes, and ad-free listening, plus you'd be supporting me make these investigations happen. I post daily content about this, and the other cases I'm working on on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the new season.
1: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Standing on the beach in Whangamata, New Zealand, and I'm speaking to you from the future. Quite possibly one of the most important witnesses in the 30 year history of the case of the murder. Of Urban Hoglan and Heidi Parkinen is right now about a kilometre behind me in a police interview after I brought him in. He's never spoken to police or really anyone about what he saw until now. He's actually one of two witnesses that I found in this case which is going to be huge. You know, the purpose of this podcast that you're about to hear, season three of of guilt is as the title suggests, it's about finding Heidi. Because her family in Sweden, you know, they've never had that chance to you know, to really grieve and, and get her body home to where it belongs. And hopefully today, this witness, you know, this may be the first step in trying to make that a possibility. The door chime rings. A young couple in their early twenties walk through the door into the hair salon in Thames, New Zealand. Sixteen-year-old hairdresser Paula Johnson asks the young man to slouch down in his chair because he's so tall. In the other chair, Paula's boss Marilyn Round cuts the long locks of the young woman down to a bob, sitting on her shoulders. Marilyn notices the young woman is dressed in white, accentuating her suntan, her shorts making her look like a model. As the pair leave, neither Marilyn or Paula are aware that this would be the last confirmed sighting of the couple alive. They hop into their white Subaru station wagon, Purchased at the beginning of their New Zealand adventure, only weeks earlier. They make one last stop before leaving Thames. To drop a letter home, to Sweden, in the post box, Postmarked April 7th, 1989. The next day, Saturday April 8th, two men on a tramping trip, John Cassidy and Mel Nauf, meet a couple at Crosby's Clearing. A campsite three to four hours from Tararoo Creek Road. The couple are a part moldy man in his early 30s and a woman in her late 20s with blonde hair and looking out of place, wearing makeup and nail polish. The following day, on Sunday April 9th at 5pm, Harry Goodwin and Jennifer Gladwin see Heidi and Urban's car parked up Tauru Creek Road. The car is on the right-hand side of the turn, facing back down the road. A for-sale sign is in the back window of the car, advertising a price of $3,000. Inside the car, they note a camera, two or three dark-colored tramping-style packs, and sleeping equipment. Clearly, the occupants were not intending to stay out overnight. But as the sun begins to set, the car remains unmoved. On Friday, 26th of May, 1989, the front page of a major New Zealand newspaper reads, A car belonging to a missing Swedish couple has been abandoned in Mount Eden for six weeks. Inside the vehicle, police find items belonging to Heidi and Urban indicating that they were due to fly out of New Zealand to the Cook Islands on April the 20th. They never made that flight. A regular stream of letters home from the couple had stopped arriving, with the final one being received April 7th. It became obvious to family and law enforcement that something had gone tragically wrong. But the question is what? The area they were last seen is home to some of New Zealand's most rugged and dense forest. Is their disappearance the result of misadventure, or could it be something more? With police struggling for clues, ironically, it was another Swedish tourist, having heard the news of Heidi and Urban's disappearance, who made contact and alerted authorities to a sighting of the Swede's white Subaru station wagon on April 10th, and more importantly, the man driving it, who went by the name Pat Kelly. Armed with this new information, police eventually make the discovery that Pat Kelly is in fact the alias of convicted killer and rapist, David Tamahiri. Quickly, detectives visited the Tamahiri home, where they discovered a green jacket owned by Heidi Parkinen, which according to David's wife Christine, had been given to their son by David. The noose was quickly tightening. How could David possibly have come into possession of the Swedes property if he wasn't in some way connected with their disappearance? Under pressure from police, David would admit that he stole their car on April 10th from the Tararu Road Car Park in Thames. He then eventually made his way to Auckland in the car where he pawned some of the items in the vehicle before abandoning the car on a street side where it sat until it was eventually discovered by police. A stolen car, but nothing more, Tamahiri tells police. The missing Swedes I've never seen them." The police, however, think otherwise, and build a case around the sighting of the two trampers at Crosby's Clearing on April 8, 1989, and three secret witnesses that on Saturday, April 8th, David met Heidi and barn on the track to Crosby's Clearing, and once there, he brutally raped and murdered the pair disposing of their bodies in the thick bush in the area. Despite being fraught with inconsistencies, no murder weapon, and no bodies, David Tamihiri was convicted of the double murder in 1990 and spent the next 20 years in prison. In 1991, two pig hunters would make the gruesome discovery of Urban Hogland's skeletal remains in dense bush in Pirakowai, near Wangamata, some 73 kilometres from where police said it should be. In 2017, Secret Witness C was revealed as convicted double-murderer Roberto Conchi Harris and was found guilty of perjury for giving false evidence in the 1990 trial of David Tamiheri after a 1995 affidavit was discovered whereby Harris recanted his evidence, saying he had made up the evidence after striking a deal with police. To this day, David Tamiheri has maintained his innocence. And Heidi Parkinen's body has never been found. It's a case that to many is an example of the New Zealand justice system doing its job. And for others, a grave miscarriage of justice. An innocent man paid the price and the true killers walked away free. In June of this year, 2023, I decided to throw everything into trying to unravel this mystery, because I believe that the answer to Heidi's whereabouts must lie somewhere in the depths of this complicated case. In this podcast, for the first time ever, you are going to hear from those directly involved in this case.
2: Basically, I come across the car, probably just after that
3: guy had been killed.
0: Their stories of what they saw and heard 30 years ago. Memories that are forever burned into their minds.
2: I still have that video in my mind every time I look up there and I see it.
0: You'll hear never before heard witnesses and new theories All with one purpose in mind, to finally uncover the truth of what took place the weekend of April 8th, 1989, and with the hope that using your help, we can finally find Heidi and bring her home to her family, where she belongs.
3: And he would just search for years, walking all the tracks, going off the tracks. It, it just, um, it could just consume them.
2: I was the last one that probably ever saw them alive, and I, I've never told anybody.
0: They've obviously been digging, and I've just pulled a bone out. There's a piece of bone right here. From Brevity Studios, I'm Ryan Wolfe, and this is Guilt. It's the 7th of July, 2023, and I'm leaning on our ute in Thames, New Zealand, taking the first sip of my coffee. When my phone dings. It's a Facebook message from someone responding to one of my posts asking for information relevant to the murders of Swedish tourists Heidi Parkinen and Urban Hoglin in 1989. Uh, We're still in Thames and my phone just dinged and a message from someone that I've been speaking to about the case, just someone who contacted me through Facebook who's familiar with the area, just saying... I've been called by someone saying that they the police are at Parakawai and they've found Heidi's body. The reason I'm getting this message is because 18 months ago I started my true crime investigative podcast, Guilt, in the hope that my combined skills as an actor and a lawyer might help me put out a decent podcast and hopefully have a meaningful impact. On some of New Zealand's unsolved cases. Hundreds of interviews and two full investigations later, I'm embarking on what is likely my most complex and tragic case yet. About a month ago I started my full-time investigation into the murders of Heidi and Urban and now me and a colleague are flying down State Highway 26 from Thames, the last place Heidi and Urban were ever seen together. To Parakawai in Wangamata. The site Urban's body was discovered in 1991 by two pig hunters. In the last month, my investigation has the local community talking. Tips are pouring in. And only days ago, I introduced a brand new witness in this case to the police. Now, if what I'm hearing is correct, Only a couple kilometres beyond this last witness sighting. Bones. Human bones. I make a call to the detective in charge of the case. And he confirms that yes, the police are in the area looking at something. But it's early days. I'm sceptical. But it's tantalising. Has my investigation already shaken something loose? As we pull into Parakawai Quarry Road, the seal turns to gravel. And soon enough, thick bush, mountains and valleys close in around us. This is rugged country, where even on a good day, cloud and mist can roll in, creating a dark, foreboding atmosphere a place rarely travelled, even today. On our right, the Otahu River snakes its way through the forest. We pass a turn off. It's a rough, rocky road, damaged by recent flooding. It makes its way down into the river. Access to this forest road requires crossing a swiftly flowing ford a locked gate bars entry beyond. This road, if followed, is quite possibly the last Heidi and Urban ever drove, and will eventually lead to the location of the grisly discovery of Urban's body in 1991. But for now, we don't stop, we're looking for a police presence that would indicate the serious discovery of human bones. Another vehicle blocks our way for a moment. It's a ute. And two men are cutting up fallen trees from the recent wind. Yeah, there's a bit of something happening. Oh, yeah.
2: They had a bit of a bloody blow up here. They had a bit of a wind blow. Yeah, man, it was crazy. Really? Yeah, they had the sheds going over like dominoes and all sorts. Shit. So it's getting a bit of tea tree. Oh, that's the Yeah. Have you seen any cops up here? Yeah, no, they all left. Oh, yeah, where were they? Um, apparently, the first swimming hole. They found some bones or something. Oh, so I think they've taken them. look like they're in the four wheel drive left. <laughs> Then there was a van that had like air conditioning things, like must have had the bones in it and then a decal left. Oh you guys have... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah.
0: How long ago was that?
2: Oh, about, about an hour ago. Yeah.
0: How long were they here for?
2: I think they were here overnight, I'm not too sure. Mate. Overnight? I'd say so, because I'd say once they found something, we have to keep an eye on it, wouldn't they? I don't know. But they were here quite late last night.
0: Where, where do you stay?
2: oh it's down,
0: down here in the house truck oh yep so you you so you saw them come up here last night
2: yeah, yeah
0: yeah. and then they didn't leave till this morning no I don't
2: think they left till this morning yeah, yeah. I think it's the way they work isn't it they have to keep an
0: eye on it yeah but I mean only if it was human bones oh well, I think
2: it was must have been yeah
0: where's the first swimming hole
2: it's just up here on the right, I think. Those guys up there probably will be able to tell
0: you. All right.
2: See you later. See ya. Fucking hell.
1: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.
0: human bones. Only days after a new witness has come forward. Is it possible that these two things are connected? And if so, could it be Heidi? And if it is, what would this mean for the police case against David Tamahiri, which alleges that Heidi's body is 73 kilometres away in Crosby's clearing? We drive on ahead, and pull over on the side of the gravel road. Steep hills, thick with bush, rise above on all sides. As we hop out, we see fresh 4x4 tracks in the mud, heading down towards the edge of the small river. If it's something serious, it'll be taped off. If they're human bones, they won't just leave it.
2: I looked through there, but I didn't see anything. And the other thing is, um, the river would have come up quite high there.
0: you think it could have swept something out? Oh
2: sure, God, who knows? They've
0: got some they've leggings in. Alright, we've just pulled up at the spot where apparently the police have been all night. Okay, i walking down, so where I am, it's a, a beautiful swimming hole. This is quite... Similar to that this is just down from a spot where Alan and I came at a a previous time. So now I guess we're gonna look around and try and see where they've been. That's not fresh though, is it? Or that is, they wouldn't have come down there. Just follow the trail and see where they they must have.
2: Do
0: you reckon that's them?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh fuck, look, they've dug right under there. I've just, they've obviously been digging and I've just pulled a bone out. I'm not joking. (laughs) There's a piece of bone right here. And there's another one that doesn't look like human bone, does it? Can't be. goes right in here. Nah, that's a big vertebrae. It's not a human bone. We dearly want to find Heidi. But it seems that is not happening today. In the hours since the police left the site, the local rumour mill has been in overdrive. And my phone has been dinging around the clock. First, it was human bones. Then a skull. Then there was gold. This only highlights the way this case still resonates today with the locals of this Coromandel region. And the fact that regardless of the police being adamant, Heidi's remains are 73 kilometres away, people here believe that she will be found in this thick bush, not far from Urban. We're going to delve into this case and all the intricate details in the many episodes to come. But the one thing that clearly stands out is not making sense. How did Urban Hogland's body get here? In this remote area of bush, in Parakawai, Coromandel, 73 kilometers from where their car was last seen i'm going to share some photos and drone footage of this area on my instagram ryanwolfnz to just demonstrate how rugged this area of bush truly is we wave goodbye to ricky and decide that while we're here we'll make the long walk up into the bush to the site of where Urban's skeleton was discovered by two pig hunters in 1991. Driving back down the gravel road, we turn left and down in our 4x4 across the river where we park near the locked gate. We'll have to make the rest of the way on foot.
2: Uh,
0: uh, So we're walking up the uh, forestry road now which is a pretty decent metal road actually through the bush a lot of kanuka and this is sort of heading, this will follow up and then eventually there will be dock land on one side and the forestry block on the other and you're just coming around the corner now and can see see the sort of rugged hills in the distance reminds you of where you are on a normal day it might feel like you know it's a beautiful spot but there's that kind of darkness to why we're here so you have to wonder once 30 years ago someone was driving up here with with a dark plan after about 20 minutes we enter a large clearing with a forest road forks one road ducks away to the left into an open area of forest the other our path the one taken 34 years ago by Heidi and Urbans' killer, continues ahead into a dark wall of pines, then turns and disappears out of sight. We've just walked away up, come round a bend into a bit of an open sort of clearing, and then we've swept around another bend and just quite ominously this wall of pines, just dark like... Imagine a nightmare if you were in here at night with a road that comes up around the corner and the trees are all sort of leaning in, covering. I just think if Urban and Heidi are up here and maybe if Heidi was running or how terrifying this place would have been in the dark... Before we continue up this dark road into the forest, and the rest of this podcast, I want to pause and reflect. For me, the content of this podcast is incredibly sad and oftentimes moving. For me, I'm not just making another true crime podcast. I want to tell their story. Sometimes, I find myself getting so angry that a person or people could think it's their right to take someone's life. Their future. In Heidi and Urban's case, this future was bright and full of hope. Despite attending the same school, Heidi wouldn't meet her future fiancé sven urban Hoglund, until they both took up jobs at the same supermarket, in their small town of 2,500, Stordfors in Sweden. Two years older than Heidi, Urban had recently completed his compulsory military training and stood six feet tall, weighing 75 kilos, with bright blue eyes and medium-length brown hair, born 2nd of December, 1965. Urban was 23. The pair were engaged in Majorca, Spain, in September of 1986. Their engagement rings were designed specially, and were each engraved with the other's name. Urban was a keen and experienced outdoorsman, who regularly ventured far into the wild in his native Sweden and it was his idea to take on the challenge of New Zealand's famous wilderness the couple left for New Zealand on Friday the 16th of September 1988 bringing with them two large green Solomon backpacks full of all the gear required for their adventure a tent sleeping bags plus fishing and camping equipment. Heidi was only twenty one, born on the fourteenth of october nineteen sixty seven. Young, blue eyed, fun and beautiful. Standing at five foot nine, she stunned wherever she went. Striking like a model movie star looks are descriptions you'll read throughout witness statements. She dreamed of being a kindergarten teacher before travelling to New Zealand. Today, Heidi would be 55 years old.
3: New Zealand is really a beautiful country. I don't know whether you, mum, would really enjoy yourself on the roads here. Some of the roads are narrow, curvy and steep. In the North Island, we had rainy weather for a week. There has been a real storm in Auckland, so they were forced to close the roads. We managed to get out of Auckland just before it started, otherwise we may have been stuck there some extra days. You will have a lot of extra work when Fia has got another child. Have you got any photos of the baby? It would be nice to see how he is looking. Maybe I should tell you that everything is well here. There's only one problem. Time is flying too fast. We've been thinking about changing the tickets once again and staying here another week. Excuse me if it's a bit messy and bent in this letter, but it's because it's so windy. Most of it is probably because of the sand flies. These are the only animals that are really plaguing us. You don't have to think about snakes or spiders or other dangerous animals or plants, and that is nice. Now we're going to light a fire and see if we can have some fried fish for supper.
0: Guilt is a Brevity Studios production. Written, produced, and narrated by me, Ryan Wolfe. All opinions expressed in this podcast are exactly that. Opinions and are not a statement of fact by the podcast itself. All persons named are presumed innocent unless proven otherwise in a court of law. You'll find further photos and video on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ, and I highly recommend you join the discussion with over a thousand other guilt listeners on Facebook at the Guilt Podcast Discussion Group. Guilt is a 100% independent production. We've never received a single dollar in taxpayer funding. You can support us to continue to make great content, plus get ad-free listening, bonus episodes, and early release by becoming a Brevity Plus subscriber on Apple or Acast Plus. You'll find the details in the show notes of every episode. This podcast was written and edited without the use of AI. On the next episode of Guilt...
3: I and think. he and he and he said it it was uncomfortable but they had no reason to act or do anything at the time. They just said it seemed odd.
0: Fucking crazy, eh? And the tent was found in there on its own?
2: Behind on its own. Behind a bloody big somebody was shuffling around, reckoned that they were shuffling around and there two months later they come up and they were just having a look around and they went and had a look around and then they found it in there. Does the person live there now?